The arts are an important fixture of Chicago's identity, but it often gets overlooked in the hailstorm of political issues. Issues like crime and the struggling public transit are among the list of priorities that have forced the arts to take a backseat. But to some, the arts is Chicago, and it marks our standing at the forefront of global culture. Theater, house music, and beautiful architecture give this city life. Now the Johnson administration wants to focus on revitalizing the city's cultural scene. The Arts and Culture Subcommittee, which is a part of the mayor's transition team, will make their recommendations to the new administration on just where to get started, how to boost arts education, and empower the artists themselves. We're joined now by all three subcommittee co-chairs. Leslie Honoré is a poet and CEO of Urban Gateways. Welcome back to Reset, Leslie. Thank you for having me, Sasha. Monica Trinidad is co-founder of For the People Artists Collective and member of the Just Seeds Artists Cooperative. Welcome, Monica. Thank you. And Abby Pucker is the founder of Gertie, a Chicago arts wayfinding platform. Good to have you, Abby. Very excited to be here. So can each of you start by telling us about your your goals for this subcommittee? Uh, I'll start with you, Monica. Yeah. So as someone who is a visual artist and a cultural producer uh, who also has a day job to keep the lights on, it is crucial and necessary for artists in our city to receive more independent, unrestricted financial support. Um, And I'm talking particularly about art workers, black and brown artists, queer and trans artists, um, not necessarily tied to a nonprofit and Mm -hmm. not necessarily uh, tied to solely new work. And so I believe that, you know, as Chicago as a city where new ideas sprout, um, those sprouts can only grow and thrive with art workers getting their basic needs met. And so that's why I'm really excited that, for example, um, Mayor Brandon Johnson will be meeting with Chicago Arts Workers, um, Chicago Arts Census. Um, It is the first comprehensive data collection of art workers across our city. Um, And so he will meet with them and talk about policy recommendations, right? And so Leslie had actually mentioned in her article that artists rarely sit with policymakers, and so this will be a great opportunity for that to happen. And we'll talk more about your your referencing an op-ed that Leslie wrote for the Sun-Times. We'll dig into that in just a moment. Abby, your goals for the committee. Yeah, I would say that I come at this from the perspective of um, arts as an economic driver for the city and making sure that both, you know, the philanthropic community, but also the corporate community um, and the business community understand how important arts are to our city, mm-hmm. not just in terms of, uh, you know, beautification efforts or community wellness. Arts are integral to both of those things, in my opinion, but also in terms of creative businesses. So how do we make it easier uh, for creative businesses to thrive in this city? Uh, That could be nightlife, that could be restaurants, that could be be institutions in the city, or things like artist collectives um, that are not necessarily C3s or nonprofits and can't get that funding, but are doing amazing community development work that will change the face of the city. Your goals for the subcommittee, Leslie? Um, is to continue to be a, a voice similar to what I am at Urban Gateways, always centering how we look at what role arts play in traditional school and out-of-school programming and how to ensure that kids, no matter where they live in the city, have the same access that kids have in, in wealthy parts of the city to mm-hmm. experience, to create, to see, to process, um, because art should not be something that is only held on by privilege. It's something that should be openly and freely accessed, just not the creation, but also being able to be present and enjoy it in all the wealth and richness that it brings to our lives. You are each bringing a unique background uh, to this role, right? So how does your individual experience, you think, fit among your co-chairs, Monica? 
Yeah. So, you know, art is an access point to healing, to transformation, and to seeing what is actually possible in our city. And so I, you know, the beautiful thing about um, a lot of the people who are on Mayor uh, Brandon Johnson's transition team are people who are rooted in movements and community organizing around racial justice, economic justice. And so for the past 10 years, I've been creating visual art that uplifts and documents our community struggles, right? And even, for example, the the fight for reparation for bridge torture survivors, you know, we were out there fighting for this reparations to pass. It passed in city council in 2015. And now what we're seeing is the last piece of that reparations um, ordinance, which is the Chicago Justice Torture Memorial. Mm -hmm. That's the last piece that needs to be built um, and put forward. And it didn't happen in the last administration. So now that I'm in this position, I'm really excited to move that forward and to see that through, not only for the survivors of torture by John Burge and his um, men, but also um, because it's such an important part of putting Chicago on the map as Mm -hmm. a place for human rights. And Abby, you're coming at this from the entrepreneur lens, right? How does that fit in here? Yeah. So when we all got together, me and Leslie and Monica, for our first meeting, what, a week and a half ago? Yeah. So this is all moving <laughs> this quickly. Is, this is all fresh. Um, <laughs> which is, you know, great and important. But, um, you know, we came together and we kind of talked about what do each of us bring to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really exciting because I think we all bring unique points of view uh, and unique experiences, uh, but, you know, are really aligned in terms of the outputs and what we want to see in the city. Um, and, you know, are sort of constantly talking between us and with our subcommittee and also other people in the community that we admire um, to figure out, okay, if we all want the same things, how do we get there? So for Mm -hmm. me, I think my perspective as an entrepreneur, as someone who is, you know, in rooms and in conversations with funders, whether that's from these philanthropic foundations or high net worth individuals or the corporate community, um, you know, my view is really always about – you know, how do we see arts as something that we can invest in and not just arts as something that is a philanthropic sort of gift, right? How do we make these structures sustainable and how do we really build infrastructure that's going to allow artists, you know, the ones that I think Monica is really advocating for or, you know, the youth that Leslie is working with, how do we allow them to, you know, graduate into or move into jobs uh, that exist in this city that I believe can really be spurred by investments in economic development um, and in the creative industries, yeah. right? Um, and so that's really how I'm coming to this work. Yeah, Leslie, let's let's jump into that op-ed that uh, we mentioned a moment ago. You, you wrote for the Sun-Times on why we should prioritize arts education and expand access to it. And uh, you, you mentioned arts funding in black and brown communities historically they receive less funding specifically 50 cents per every dollar leslie what's the first step towards equitable access then um removing some of the barriers that it takes um to even apply for funding when i think about small organizations that have small teams and are really focused on supporting teaching artists we don't always have these big massive development teams with you know well-seasoned grant writers and we're often going up against organizations that do, who have, who are well-funded, who have, you know, huge teams to access and and go after grant funding. That's inequitable first. Mm -hmm. Um, Prioritizing communities that that don't have access um, should go first. I mean, that's what equity is, correct? It it is, it's not equal. It's prioritizing those who have had the deficit the most, bringing them to the forefront. So when we think about schools, neighborhoods, communities that often do not lack artists, do not like creatives. Mm-hmm. They just lack the amplification and the funding 
to do so without barriers. That who That's who needs to be first when we think about how we fund, who we give attention to, who we highlight, and who we build relationships with. So how, how do you see this subcommittee's role in helping to change that? Um, first, it's, it's the fact that we've brought together people from many different sectors of the arts. So ensuring that the voices that are represented are not always the traditional ones, um, bringing working artists, people who are in their practice, who know what the struggles are intimately to be able to bring the voice to that. Um, and then clearly saying what what we want is, is no longer just for arts to be decorative. We don't want to be the sprinkles on the cupcake because you need us. You need us for messaging. Mm-hmm. You need us to do the heavy lift for explaining. There's nothing in the city that, that goes across anyone's mind that doesn't have the arts that that's how we communicate that's our billboards that's our pamphlets that's you know our muralists that's our poets all of that is the arts we're swimming breathing in it every day we need to respect it and understand that without it we crumble there's no messaging that happens without an artist monica what is at stake when we don't prioritize the arts So art doesn't always have precise, tangible outcomes, but we fund it like it does, right? And I think that artists, sometimes years later, we won't know the impact of artwork, right, until we, you know, we can't comprehend it until then. So I think we we limit the possibility of artists and their work. Um, when we when we move through it with restrictive funding and when we move through it without thinking about how an artist who isn't necessarily tied to an organization but is working on multiple projects throughout mm-hmm. the city needs that support to continue growing those projects and ideas and art. Uh, and yeah, help us in, understand what it's like to be an independent artist in the city. It's really difficult. It's really, really, really difficult. Sometimes, you know, you don't have a fiscal sponsor. You don't have an attachment to a 501c3. Um, you sometimes you don't qualify for funding um, for a grant because you have a W-2. And so I think and, and we know lots of artists across the city have to have a day job uh, in order to still pay their rent. And so I think when we don't, when we limit that, we see artists leaving Chicago and going to coastal cities, and we don't want that. We want our artists to stay here and to thrive, right, through their work. So I think what's really important is making sure that we're listening to artists and not just through grant applications, but actually listening to them and hearing their stories of yeah. why they need the funding um, in order to really fully comprehend who who is actually getting that investment. So, Abby, help us understand what exactly is Mayor Johnson's vision for the Chicago art scene? Uh, well, I can't speak for Mayor Johnson, but I think that, um, you know, his vision is is one of, um, you know, equity, I think, over a lot of other things. I think it's one of access where especially I think, you know, the mayor is very obviously um, has lived his life as an educator. Right. And in and around youth and really understands the power of youth, mm-hmm. um, youth to change, you know, the city, to change the face of the city, to change the attitudes that we have to, you know, build movements. Um, and so I think a lot of it is going to be about, you know, funding for education, for arts education, which is integral, mm-hmm. um, getting youth more, you know, ingrained in all of the arts institutions that, you know, this city like how they function or not, does need, in my opinion, to really thrive and to continue to be a world-class arts, you know, arts and culture destination. Um, So I think it's, you know, understanding how to come at that from multiple perspectives. We need to certainly center youth and youth voices. Mm -hmm. um, But also I think we need to change the way that 
um, that the city, you know, that sort of young professionals in the city, the way that leadership in the city thinks about and views the arts, because people forget that arts and these institutions are not they're not around. They, they don't have to be around forever. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not inevitable. Um, they need support. They need funding. Um, and that funding I think we should think about coming from different places. It can't all come from, you know, D-Case, right, which is the one yeah. uh, funding source right now for arts in the city. Well, let's talk a bit more about Gertie, right? It's a site that connects people with art shows, exhibitions, uh, and performances that are happening across Chicago. Yeah. So how do platforms that aggregate these different events, how does that fit into the business side of Chicago's art scene? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, it's very much about if you if you can't see it, you, you know, you can't be it, right? Like we say that about kind of pipeline development, about youth development. I think it's the same for people's perception of this city. Um, I lived in, I'm from Chicago, born and raised in Chicago. Um, and I, I went from Jewish day school on the north side to Walter Payton College Prep for high school, which is a selective enrollment school. And going to that school really changed my view on the city. It showed me there are different kinds of people living in different places. And it really familiarized me with those places as places where my friends live, not as a neighborhood that I've heard about that is, you know, has a certain association or, oh, you don't go there because it's dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, it was, oh, that's where my friend Kelsey lives or that's where, you know. So right, right, right. I think really placemaking and creating a way for people to understand where they sit in the city, people who live in the city, people who work in the city, who are employed by, you know, large companies um, that say that they're investing in the city, um, but I think we need to show people that what an investment in the city and in the arts and culture sector really looks like. It can't just look like slapping a donation, you know, on the wall somewhere and saying we've done our civic duty. It really has to be about encouraging people to go and get to know their own city uh, and really to go, you know, uh, Dilla, um, Sherman Dilla Thomas says that, you know, his rule is that you have to spend $25 in a neighborhood that you're not familiar with or that's not your own every every month, right? Because you're actually investing in then the local, the hyper-local economy. Yeah. So I think that's a really concrete example of how, how I think we all see arts as an economic driver, right? Mm-hmm. Arts and small business are inextricably linked. Yeah. Um, artists are small businesses in and of themselves. Right, right. And so how do we think about funding the arts, I say in sort of quotes, but really, it's how do we think about, you know, funding this entire ecosystem. Supporting the business. Yeah. So you're nodding there, Monica. What do you want to change regarding independent artists through this committee? You know, I just want art workers to be heard. I want them to, I want us to not just utilize their work uh, to beautify, right? I mean, I think it's wonderful when these projects happen, but I really want us to think about investing in their basic needs and their livelihoods. And I think that that's something that Brandon Johnson has, you know, really run his campaign on is listening to the people, being for the people, by the people. Um, that's who surrounds him and that's who's going to continue to work with him in co-governance. And so I think that what I really, really truly want and what I know will happen is hearing directly from art workers and mm-hmm. artists and gig workers across our city who are saying we need help with housing. We need help with paying our rent. We need help with keeping our lights on so that we can continue to produce the art. That is what our city is known for. And Leslie, of course, there's a lot to cover over the next four years. But where do you hope Mayor Johnson will begin? Um, I think he's he's beginning right where he needs to listening to um, voices that aren't the norm. 
uh, a reminder that the arts doesn't just happen um, downtown Chicago, that it happens in all 77 of our rich communities. It happens with Inglewood's Art Collective. It happens with Arts and Public Life in Washington Park. It happens at Urban Gateways with the teachers who go into schools that don't have funding and bring the arts there. Um, so listening and continuing to keep that communication open, um, I hope it continues to grow in places of policy that we continue to make really rich connections with different departments um, on the fifth floor that um, bring artists often in at the end and we need to be there at the beginning to ensure that community engagement is done in a way that's authentic that artists from those communities are the artists that are being hired to represent those communities um, i think we're at a really great start and i'm looking forward to that momentum continuing Leslie Honoré, Monica Trinidad and Abby Pucker are co-chairs of the Johnson Administration's Arts and Culture Subcommittee. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much. Thank you.